Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whenever you are listening to this podcast, you are listening to the Sports Cave presented by Retro Sports Network. I am your host, Robbie Clark, along with my co-host, Kyle Lilly. Kyle, how are we doing? Uh, long day at work. Well, then I can't really compl- can't really complain, you know, getting more into the, uh, you know, the holiday season, getting closer to Thanksgiving, and Christmas oh, and all so that, all, all, all that good times. Oh, Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. The one time where like you have an excuse to eat like a fat man that I am. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're going to load up on food. I mean, I can already tell you it's going to be on my plate. I'm going to have some turkey. I'm oh, going to have some ham. I'm going to have some mashed potatoes. I'm going to have some corn. I'm going to have some mac and cheese. I'm going to have some broccoli and cheese casserole. I'm going to have some some rolls, whether it's bread or the Hawaiian rolls, butter. And then for dessert, no pie. I don't like pie. Oh, God. I I don't like pie. I mean, is that is is there something you got to say? It's pie. I know. It's disgusting. That's the issue. It's pie. It's disgusting. Deplorable. Shame. So what what kind of pie do you like? I mean, I think it goes like the classic apple. Uh, pumpkins, uh, pumpkins, uh, pumpkin can be yeah. good, but to me, it's either like pumpkin also could either be like really good or really bad. It's like nowhere in between. It's never I've had a, like a pumpkin pie where I'm like, eh, it's solid. You know, I'm just like pumpkin. I'm just like, nah, eh, not the biggest fan of that. But I've had it where it's just like, damn, that was good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big pie guy. I mean, we'll have like cookies and brownies and I'll devour into that. You know, hopefully. uh I don't take a nap because we're starting dinner at like two and I do want to see the Cowboys game. Um, hey, pretty good. Cause I, I can, if, if anything, I would take a nap during the Lions game, but the Lions are always the first one to lead off. That's like the time where it's like, okay, this is the time where you eat everybody. I guess. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, yeah, everybody, <laughs> I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. Um, even though it's Saturday that you're hearing this, but we'll have our, Next episode, obviously, the following Saturday will be post Thanksgiving. Um, and we'll make our predictions for our Thanksgiving games um, later on the show today. And, and for all we know, it could change on Monday when we do our live stream on Monday, starting at 7 15 on Facebook. So make Absolutely. sure, to, in case you uh, have Facebook, follow us at the Sports Cave and also follow us at Retro Sports Network on Facebook and tune in this Monday for our live show as we'll have uh, reactions after. Uh, Soon to be, what are we now, week 11, Kyle? I believe so. Yeah, they're six and four. Yeah, so the Pats are six and four, so. Week 11. They haven't had their bye week. We're, so. we're going into week 11, so, I mean, wow. The season's already almost come and gone, man. We're more than halfway through the season now. I know. So I, just lo- I just love this this time of year because it's you know, football, my favorite sport. You know, there's also, ho- you know, hockey, you know, in the holidays, my birthday's during this time of year, too. So it's always, like, just a fun time of the year, personally. And also, I like cold weather, preferably over uh, hot weather. So I like this time of year. Okay. Well, Kyle, we finally have some baseball to talk about. You're not wrong. We got a lot of the awards happening right now. And um, let's start with the Cy Youngs. First off in the American League. <laughs> Robbie Ray from the Toronto Blue Jays prevails with the award over Garrett Cole and Lance Lynn. He got 29 out of the 30 first place votes. Garrett Cole got the one lone first place vote that prevented Robbie Ray from getting all 30. And as I said, Kyle, um, I after when you look at the end of the numbers, it 100% had to go to Robbie Ray. Yankees Twitter is absolutely um, 
going off on this. And I don't understand for what reason, because Garrett Cole had three more wins as a pitcher than Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray had a lower ERA. He had more strikeouts per nine. He had more total strikeouts. And what what a lot of the Yankee fans are looking at, and the reason why they think that Robbie Ray should have gotten the award was his last start of the year against the New York Yankees. He got pounded. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't come down to the last game. It comes through what happened the whole season. And there were some inconsistencies with Garrett Cole, especially once they started cracking down the sticky stuff. There were some inconsistencies. Robbie Ray was a consistent pitcher all season long. And definitely, if there was another word for comeback like player or like most improved pitcher, 100%, it would have to go to Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray was arguably the best pitcher in baseball this year. Hence why he won the AL Cy Young Award. As Kyle, sorry, yeah, I was just clearing my throat. I had, yeah, so, but um, yeah, so I, the thing was, I would have loved to see Garrett Cole win it, but so it's I. just more, it's just more of the, like you know, just the Yankees fan in me. But yeah, it's it's understandable why Robbie Robbie Ray won it, and I can also understand why Yankees fans would be mad, just because a lot of the times, to be honest, the you know they're a little uptight and delusional. <laughs> I guess is maybe oh, a way really? of saying. Maybe a way of saying it, you know, so, I mean, I can understand. I can't, I can't really be mad at it, but, you know, if you really want to, you know, sit there and like, you know, and nitpick and say like, okay, well, you know, Robbie Ray got rocked in the, you know, last game against the Yankees, even though technically I believe doesn't go like postseason stuff doesn't go into it. Well, then you can also just say Garrett Cole got, you know, yeah, postseason kind of pounded on by, by the Red Sox. If you really want to no be effect. like that. Right. It has yeah. no effect on that. But even then Garrett Cole got pounded, I believe. <laughs> The start yeah. before the World Series, or excuse me, the World Series. I wish the wild card start. Yeah, but I don't know. I can't complain about it. But in the National League, I was very, very surprised to see the winner for this award. I thought he was going to get third place votes. He ended up winning it all. Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers ends up with the NL Cy Young Award over Max Scherzer and Zach Wheeler. Were you surprised about this, Kyle? Yeah, because I definitely thought that, uh, you know, it'd probably go to Scherzer, but uh, people saw it differently. I didn't see what, like, the uh, tally was for the votes and everything and, like, who, I how many first ones. I saw the Robbie yeah. Ray and Garrett Cole thing because, you know, I follow a lot of um, different baseball things and some Yankee things. You know, I wa- I follow Talking Yanks and I follow uh, Short Porch and Hubs and John Boy and Talking Jake. And so I get a lot of the Yankee updates, but I didn't see... Um, what the total votes were, but I can give you the stats right now between Corbin Burns and Max Scherzer. Yep. Corbin Burns went 11 and five to Max Scherzer's 15 and four. Corbin Burns ERA was 2.43 to Scherzer's 2.46. Max Scherzer had a complete game to Corbin Burns zero. Um, Max Scherzer had 12.1 more innings, 179.1 to Corbin's 167. Corbin did only give up seven home runs to Max Scherzer's 23. And I remember Corbin Burns had like some ridiculous numbers of like consecutive innings pitched um, to start the season for giving up a walk. I think it was like in the fifties. Like it's, it was absurd. Um, That's don't impressive. quote me on it, but I know it was, it was crazy. I heard, um, I heard on starting nine when the season like first began with uh, Jared Carabas and Dallas Braden. Um, Scherzer had 236 strikeouts to Corbin Burns, 234, which kind of makes it more impressive on Corbin Burns' side because of the 12 innings um, less than Max Scherzer. And the strikeouts per nine was in favor of Corbin Burns, 12.6 to Scherzer's 11.8. But I felt like Scherzer... 
I felt like Scherzer was still the most dominant pitcher in the National League. And I felt like throughout the whole season, the talks for the NL Cy Young Awards from the start to the end of the season, essentially, was between Walker Buehler and Max Scherzer. They didn't put Walker Buehler in as a finalist. And I thought for sure then it was going to be Max Scherzer, but they ended up giving it to Corbin Burns. Yeah, that's that's an it's an interesting choice. I would like to you almost that's why you wish you could almost be like like a fly in a room or just like, you know, or sorry, on the wall. I think that's how the phrase technically goes. But, you know, I would just like to know why they picked that. Not that it, it's a bad option, obviously, but just wasn't what we were expecting. That's safe to say. Probably but, trying to know. stay away from the back to back is what I feel like, because 2020 Max Scherzer won the um, Cy Young Award, I believe. Yeah, I got. But at the same point, if he deserves it, like who cares if it's back to back? It's just how the writers work, man. Just like how you know Barry Bond. Well, no, I I was wrong. I guess Max Scherzer didn't win the Cy Young Award in twenty twenty. I guess he wasn't the finalist. Um, I I don't know. It's it's a it's a really intriguing question. You know, um, it's an intriguing question that you asked that we won't get the answer to. I guess. I mean, a lot of the writers will don't openly come out and admit reasons why they don't vote the way they do. Hence, we haven't heard the one writer who didn't vote for Derek Jeter to be a unanimous Hall of Famer. The one writer. You know what I yeah. mean? I don't know. But I mean, by no by no means am I insisting that Corbin Burns had a dreadful season or um, didn't deserve to be a finalist. I thought that the finalist was going to be between Corbin Burns Max Scherzer and Walker Buehler. I thought Zach Wheeler was done after Joe Girardi mistakenly left him in for um, one of the games that should have went to the bullpen, but the Phillies were in the hunt still for the playoffs. And the Phillies also have one of the worst bullpens in baseball. And they had, he had to stick with Zach Wheeler. Yeah. It's just, it's it's an interesting choice to say the least. Let's go with the MVPs. Let's start in the American League. The Given, Shohei Otani, Edges, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, oh, yeah. With the MVP award. Yeah, I mean, he had to, right? Absolutely. Because if you're going by most valuable, a guy who maybe hitting-wise, you could say was like a little bit below uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. if you want to, but then he's also giving you amazing pitching. So that's really the definition of valuable. Great pitching. Great hitting. What more do you want? Simple right. as that. I mean, Vladdy, for the most part, had most of the, not most of, because it was very close. He, oh, he yeah. definitely had a better average than Shohei Otani, but I mean, um, it's going to be hard in the American League. It's going to be hard to win an MVP as long as Otani's healthy for the whole year, because like you said, I mean, he could do both things. Nobody else in baseball could do that except for Shohei Otani. True. You're not wrong about that. And credit to, um, the Ooh, angels Smith is not inactive. He's inactive. Yeah. 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 Um, credit to Joe Madden for um, when using Shohei Otani pitching to keep his bat in the lineup. Yeah. I mean, the thing is you have to, you always have to have his bat in the lineup because at any point the man can send it, you know, 450. And it's just such a presence in the lineup that you need him to get in there, but also he's such a presence pitching. You need that as well. So you got to play that, the game of not stress him, you know, out like too much and on one side of, you know, of his game to where, you know, that can maybe injure him and compromise him on the other side too. Now the NL MVP. Bryce 
Harper, Bryce Harper edges Fernando Tatis Jr. winning the MVP award. What a shock, wouldn't you say? I'm yeah. sure <laughs> thought that Tatis had this thing locked up. Bryce Harper is the first player since 2007 to win the MVP award without making the all-star team that year. Yeah, because you and, shared that, right, on Facebook? Yeah, because I, I saw it right as I pulled up. Yep, but it didn't say who the player was in 2007, Kyle, and I'm going to give you a hint. The last player to do, do so, too, was a Philadelphia Philly. Could you guess who that player is? 2007. Um, hmm. I'm either like Ryan Howard or Chase Outlet or no, Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins was the last player until today. Well, Thursday, for those who are listening for this Saturday <laughs> or later on. Jimmy Rollins. 2007 Jimmy Rollins in 2007 played all 162 ball games led the league with 20 triples had 30 bombs and 94 RBIs with 41 stolen bases 85 strikeouts and 778 plate appearances the 296 batting Damn. average I mean like the ultimate baseball player and then Bryce Harper I mean he had 34 bombs I believe in the year and 93 RBIs I believe Let's look at the numbers. I got them loaded up right here. Okay. Bryce Harper had uh, 35 home runs on 84 RBIs with 13 stolen bases, a 309 batting average, um, and a total OPS of 1.044. Struck out 134 times in 599 plate appearances with 151 hits and 141 games played. Fernando Tatis Jr., 130 games with 42 home runs and 97 RBIs and 25 stolen bases, 153 strikeouts, a 282 batting average, and a 975 OPS. What do you think? What the hell sound was that? <laughs> oh, that was just, it was a, in the, with the chair, it was just an odd, <laughs> okay. odd little sound. But, um, because I know like people were saying about his fielding, uh, Tati's field, was, did he have a lot of errors or something? Because I know that was always a topic, you know, that people would bring up. So I wonder maybe if that, because honestly, I don't have the, yeah, the numbers, I, I, the I don't, I don't so. know if that, I don't know if that played a factor into it. You know, what I think the factor was, did you look at the splits between the two players? I didn't, I did not see that. So fangraphs.com, in case you ever want to look at like splits for like, first half and second half of the season between baseball players. Bryce Harper's first half was not scrubbish by any any means in the imagination. A 282 batting average in the first half. He struck out 70 times. He had 15 home runs with 34 RBIs and 35 walks. And people hear the 34 RBIs like, wow, that's really low. It is low because the issue with the Philadelphia Phillies was getting on base. And a lot yeah. of the home runs that Bryce Harper hit were solo shots. He had 70 hits in the first half as well. And then his second half stats, he had 81 hits, 20 home runs, 50 RBIs in the second half, 65 walks, 10 of them intentional. Struck out six less times, 64. And his batting average was 338. A mm. 330. And hence, when, when they came out the finalists, and I, I think I remember explaining, Bryce Harper probably had the hottest second half in all of baseball. 
Yeah, that's that's very impressive. Now, Fernando Tatis Jr., we all know about the first half because this is where Tatis took storm, and this is where we realized that as long as Mike Trout is out, this might be the new face of baseball. He had a two eighty six batting average, and he stole 20 bases in the first half. He had 28 home runs to to 60 RBIs, and then the second half was a big struggle. We it wasn't just only Fernando Tatis Jr. It was this entire San Diego Padres team, to be completely honest. A 278 batting average, struck out 65 times, only stole five bases after the second half, 14 home runs, 37 RBIs. Was he battling an injury or something? Yes, yes. he was battling a shoulder injury. I believe he was battling um, a leg or hip injury too. He, he was battling injuries the second half because remember, he had to play right field for a certain time because they need his bat so desperately because they were falling off the cliff and they need his bat desperately. So they threw him out in right field, which was like the weakest spot out there because I think Cronenworth was playing shortstop. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pro- that that has to play a factor in it. It's just how he both guys finished. Right. Because right. the guy Tati's finished such a whimper and and Bryce Harper's on like the complete opposite side of it, you know playing red hot for the whole second half pretty much. I mean, yeah, that is pretty damn impressive. I, I'm i still on the side of believing that it should have been um, Fernando Tatis Jr. It should have been. I mean, the dude, d- did he have the batting average like Harper? No. Did he have the OPS like Harper? No. But it's not like he was, he, he fell off a complete cliff in the second half, even though I said earlier that it feels like he did. He didn't. You know, he still he was still consistent in the second half and I get it. Bryce Harper's second half was absolutely incredible, but I felt like we saw consistency through from Fernando Tatis. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah the baseball maybe it's also because he just, I took, just saw because he just took up the, you know, the first half of storm. I don't know. Yeah. It's probably just the finishes to the season. It's probably the baseball writers saw that and, you know, probably went with Harper but credit to Bryce Harper. 10th season yeah. in the league. I mean, he's still young, too. He's only 28 years old. His 10th season, another MVP award, his second of his career. And now it's he's starting to live up to that contract. A lot of people question the Phillies for that big, lucrative contract they signed him to. He did his job. Now, with the offseason in full, in full swing right now, what are they going to do to help Bryce Harper and the Phillies? Reese Hoskins, done okay. Didi, I don't know if that's the answer for the Philadelphia Phillies. Segura, a good contact hitter. I mean, their pitching staff, Zach Wheeler was a finalist for the Cy Young. Um, Aaron Nola, a lot of people thought could have been a Cy Young candidate, had an off year considering his talent, and the bullpen was just dreadful. So Phillies got to address something, whether it's going to be starting rotation. They definitely have to get something for the bullpen. We'll see. If you're not wrong, because that bullpen... Especially, oof, but I mean, we've had a couple pitchers sign some contracts, Kyle. I'm going to start with the first one. Noah Syndergaard, a one year, 25, or actually I think it was 23 or 25. Let me load it up before I went to the Angels. Noah Syndergaard. One year, $21 million. To Los Angeles Angels after only pitching two innings in 2021. What do you think, Kyle? I mean, it's all for potential. That's just, 
it's what that that contract is on like both sides for a good chunk of change for one year it's we'll give you a lot of money to bring you in so hopefully the potential where yeah i can play out hopefully can help us this year and then he can then earn potentially that big fat contract after the season because he has ridiculous stuff just the injuries it's just like i mean what i forgot a couple years ago it was like they were saying what a slider was like Lower 90s or something like that. That's him and DeGrom. They both throw that. I mean, that is stupid, especially when you have good movement on it, too. How are you supposed to hit a, like, a combo of a fastball that can reach over 100 on a regular basis? And then he'll drop the slider on you going, what, 91 to, let's say, 94 range with a good movement? I mean, how do you hit that? I mean that's insane, and then you if you combo that with the you know players that the Angels have of Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, I mean you got some good names there. If they can stay healthy and put it together, it's going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah, no kidding. Because when we talk about this Angel team, if everybody stays healthy, I mean Otani was healthy all of last year, but two seasons yep. prior he was hurt. Mike Trout has been hurt. The big third baseman they paid big money for, Anthony Rendon, was hurt. He missed most of the year, if not like three, three fourths of the whole year. Justin Upton, someone they're paying money for, he got hurt. They found a nice solid piece in Jared Walsh, hence why they got rid of Albert Pujols. Um, I, I, I'm surprised the Mets didn't want to match because the Mets had a uh, $19 million offer, and all they do was go two mil more, and they didn't want to match the offer. I'm completely baffled at that. Um, and when we talk about the Mets, the core that they had, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Harvey, Mats, Zach Wheeler, only one remains, only one remaining, and that's Jacob DeGrom. And even then, I mean, who knows when they're going to get DeGrom back with, with his injury. Yeah. Uh, and Marcus Stroman might be out the door. He's a free agent. The Mets, yeah. are, that's he likes two. to have a mouth on him, too. Two big pieces out yeah. of the rotation going into 2022 next year. Yep. Um, the Degrom injury is such a shame because that how good he was. Degrom this... carried the team on his back. Oh, the dude it's... was batting yep. like 450 at one point until the Mets like cut down his swings because they wanted to make sure that he was healthy because he was dealing with nagging injuries. Yep, it's still like his. Pitching was so good this year. It's just like, it's one of those kind of things that you see sometimes in all sports where a guy is having an otherworldly season and is like on pace to just put up insane stats. And then somehow an injury just either makes him play at like a lesser level or just takes him out. And when that happened, it's just like, ah, it was because you wanted to see that season play out and see how good his stats could really be. Yeah. Because, damn, I mean, that wasn't some impressive stuff he was putting on before he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, five years, $77 million to the Detroit Tigers, which now means that the Red Sox are without a piece in their rotation, arguably the uh, three in the rotation, and probably soon be ace for the Detroit Tigers. And for Erod, with the exception of 
the White Sox, this is a division where he can take advantage of some bad teams. I mean, the Twins, they were horrible last year. The Cleveland Indians are going to be on the downfall. Um, oh, sorry, Guardians, right? <laughs> who? Is it the Cleveland Guardians now or whatever? Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> yep, the Cleveland Guardians. They're going to be. <laughs> so sorry if I offended everybody. The Cleveland Guardians. My dear God, it just sounds so disgusting. <laughs> and the Kansas City Royals. Um, but as as it pertains to the Guardians, the only two players you really have to worry about on the team are Jose Ramirez and Fran Mil Reyes. Uh, what is he getting about? Almost a little bit above fifteen million a year. That's a pretty good discount for the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, because you're thinking, you know, maybe he could have cashed in a little bit more, most likely. But I don't. You never know how negotiations, you know, went. They could have been <clears throat> maybe with another team. It was lesser years, but more per. But maybe he wanted more of the long-term, you know, security. I mean, it could have been something like that. But, I mean, who knows? Again, I wish, like, with some of these contracts that you could just be, like, a fly on the wall and just, like, hear, like, negotiations and just, like, how stuff unfolds. Because that would have been an interesting one. Because we said about 15 a year. Like, that's baseball-wise. I mean, that's not like you're paying a hefty price. I mean, it's obviously a decent chunk of change, but mm-hmm. it's not – you know, a Garrett, like Garrett Cole money, you know, kind of deal. But, hey, it's a good pickup, you know. I mean, for the Red Sox, it's interesting, you know, that he's no longer on because obviously they got to fill the spot up. But, but oh, yeah, that, that's a question as to who they're going to fill that spot up with. I mean, they still got sale. Kyle's coughing up a storm over here. I hope this man is OK. I'm glad you're moving your mic. I hope you're OK. Chris yeah, Sale. I just, I just took a sip of my drink and I went down the wrong pipe. Chris Sale and uh, Nate Valdi, Nick Pavetta. And after that, it's like, we got to find somebody. And I can tell you, I'm not going to find They're not going to find Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander returning to the Astros on a one year, $25 million deal with a player option for his second year. And the Astros kind of had to cave in for the money here. And I wonder how much money that also takes away from potentially bring, bringing back Correa. But it's something that the Astros had to cave into. I mean, we saw what the downfall was for the Houston Astros in the World Series, and it was lack of starting pitching. Lance McCullers was out, and obviously Justin Verlander missed the whole year. And if they are to get Carlos Correa back, which is not, which is uncertain at this point, and then they'll get McCullers and Verlander back, and Verlander was throwing 97 every team baseball. I went to his his, uh, little scout camp. All impressed for given his age. I believe he's going to be 39 going into next year. They had to cave in and give him the money. Yeah, because you could see their weakness was pitching. And that's probably what they're like. Okay, they're probably weighed, you know, the positive negatives. Okay, if we give Verlander this money, are we going to be able to, you know, still afford Correa? And like, okay, we lose something hitting. But we gain something in pitching, you know, and, you know, weigh the positives and negatives about that and see which one's a better option. They've also already openly came out and said <laughs> that if they don't bring back Carlos Correa, there's no guarantee that Alex Bregman's going to shift over to shortstop. Um, rightfully so. I mean, Bregman's been playing third base since he's been called up. So 
Doesn't surprise me one bit. Absolutely. Biggest steal so far. And a lot of these signs that are going on right now is pitching. I think pitchers are going to see a big payday. So I, I'm honestly waiting to see someone like Marcus Stroman, what he's going to get. I mean, he already basically openly admitted on uh, Twitter that he's not interested in going to the Yankees. I mean, I can't honestly blame him. I can't blame him. I mean, a lot of the toxic culture that happened with the Mets, with Yankee fans, and how, you know, you could see his usage of social media. Uh, I, I could definitely see why he's not going to come to the New York Yankees. Oh, well. Jose Barrios, yep. seven years, $130 million. The Blue Jays are paying Jose Barrios, or Barrios, I believe it's Barrios, less than $20 million a year for a guy that makes just about every start of the season needed. The man made 32 in 2021. 12 in a shortened 2020 season, 32, 32, 26. And he's got some good stuff. Hey, it's a good pickup for the Blue Jays, right? (laughs) Well, they know they had to do something because right now they got to decide with their payroll, unless one of them is willing to take a pay cut between Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon. And if you could bring back, they brought back, uh, Barrios to go alongside with Hyjin Rayu and Nate Pearson. Nate Pearson, I was uh, informed. I said Nathan Peterman. <laughs> so I messed up there. Nate Pearson, who's supposed to be one of the high regard um, prospects coming out of the Blue Jays farm system. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't seen nothing on Twitter in regards to anything about Robbie Ray or Marcus Simeon going back to the Toronto Blue Jays, but uh, this is a very good signing. I mean, um, the twins gave up. They had to basically get something with their struggling. um, Yeah. Their struggles last year. Good for the Blue Jays, I guess, but not good for Yankee fans and Red Sox fans and Rays fans. Yeah. I mean, that, that Blue Jays team, that's a, it's an interesting team. You got some pieces there. You know, if you're thinking, you know, Ryu can be the, you know, the guy, you know, or what a good pitcher. I mean, you know, there's obviously like you said with Robbie Ray, Simeon, like they, they got some pieces. If they play it right, that's going to be a very interesting team. And the whole division in general is going to be a very, very fun and interesting division next season. Yep. And lastly, the manager of the years. National League, no surprise here. Gabe Kapler, the San Francisco Giants. The San Francisco Giants were supposed to be one of the bottom team teams in the league. Finished the regular season 107 and 55. Gabe Kapler was also uh, a manager that a lot of people thought that shouldn't have been in MLB anymore after what happened with the Philadelphia Phillies. And they, the Giants finished 107 and 55. And yeah, on you, the American, you knew that was going to happen too. Of you knew he was going to win it. And on the American League side, we also knew this manager was going to win. Kevin Cash, back to back years with the race finishing 100 wins, 62 losses. Makes perfect sense. No arguments yeah. for me. Yeah, exactly. You pretty much knew those are pretty pretty shoe-ins that if they didn't win it, you're thinking, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. But um, let's transition into the NBA, Kyle, and um, let's go straight into our power rankings. We're going to give you our top 10 teams in the NBA currently right now, and 
Kyle, I'll let you start with your list first. Who you got starting okay. at number 10? Um, number 10, I got the Mavs. I got the Mavs. Um, nine, Utah. I got eight, Clippers. Seven, Heat. Six, Nuggets. Five, Wizards. Then Nets, Bulls, Suns, and Warriors. That's how mine goes. So for me, at number 10, I have the Clippers. Um, through the last nine games, the Clippers have gone eight and one over their last nine games. And they had some struggles early on the year, and rightfully so, with Kawhi Leonard missing probably all of this year with the torn ACL injury. I got them at number 10. Number nine, I have the Chicago Bulls down at number nine, and they can easily pop back up. The issue is, is that Nikola Vucevic is dealing with COVID-19, so you lose a big piece of your offense. Let's not forget, too, they, they might be without Patrick Williams for the rest of this year, who was looking really good with that elite starting unit. And I mean, the, so the starting unit led by DeMar DeRozan, who's averaging 28.3 points per game with 5.3 assists on 53.5% field goal percentage. Unbelievable. He's been just balling out. And a lot of people question the Bulls bringing him in. I question a lot of teams not bringing him in. Number eight, Sorry, I have coughing the, up a lung. <laughs> Number eight, I have the Washington Wizards, and the Wizards are the current number one seed, but they also ended a five-game win streak with the return of Bradley Beal, and that's a problem because if, you're, if your star player is returning to the lineup and you end up yeah. losing... Yeah, the, that's not right. <laughs> no, there, there's something wrong there. Not to mention, too, during his absence, Spencer Dinwiddie stepped up big time but put up a big, fat dud Wednesday night against the Hornets. Number seven, I got the Denver Nuggets. Number six, I'll have the Dallas Mavericks. I got them a little further up than you. And I think it's mainly because Porzingis is starting to step up a little bit. Um, Just going back all the way to last Thursday, he's been averaging 27.3 points with 8.7 rebounds and two blocks on 42% from three. You know, Luka's going to do his thing, but if the Mavs are going to be successful this year, it's not going to be because of Luka, and it's not going to be because of Tim Hardaway Jr. being the number two. It's going to have to be because Porzingis is going to have to live up to the hype that he's had since we found out what he really was with the New York Knicks. He's got to play yeah, to that level. Exactly, because he is uh, he like he's just the X factor team. He can if he can play like you said to his potential. He offers so much that it just only helps out Tim Hardaway Jr. and Luca. And sky's the limit for them at that point. Yep. Number four, I have the Miami Heat. Um, Miami's 100% going to finish as a top four seed in the Eastern Conference. I think there's no questions asked there as long as everybody stays healthy. Number three, I have the Brooklyn Nets, and the Brooklyn Nets could have easily been a number one seed, but after the absolute whooping they took from the Golden State Warriors on Tuesday night, they're going to fall down to number three instead of being at number one or number two. Because number two, I have the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns were off to a horrible start of the year, and now they've won 10 consecutive games they were started the season one and three and looked very sloppy out of the gate and now they're 11 and three 10 straight wins and deandre ayton he's finally starting to pick things up a little bit booker struggled to start the year he's picking things long chris paul's doing his thing and who would have ever thought that javel mcgee would actually step up and have an impact well he's a shack and a full legend so of course he would and the thing that's helping the Suns, too, is Michael Bridges is looking like someone that's 
going to, you know, be a third, maybe a third option over DeAndre Ayton, if we're going to be completely honest, because the Ayton's the big man, but Bridges has been hitting three point jump shots, attacking the rim. That's a big, that's a big, big help for the Suns to, you know, increase their chances going to the NBA finals again. Hey, yeah. And if Bridges is your third option, then that means Ayton's your fourth option. That's a pretty good, <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty good third and four. You can't really complain about that. And number one, the Golden State Warriors. Um, they say at twelve and two. The real test so far this season was the Brooklyn Nets on Tuesday, and they beat them convincingly. With Steph Curry sitting out most of the third quarter due to foul trouble, he still put up thirty-seven points in his performance at the Barclays, and he's Ooh. just gone absolutely bonkers. He's gone bonkers. I I wish I wish one time I could see that man play live. Yeah, I'm gonna make I, that, I'm gonna make uh, that a thing next year. I'm making that a thing next year. Like he is just so good. It's just, whew. His this highlight, is, his highlight is, tape at the end of his career is going to be like five hours long. Yeah, and it's just gonna be him draining absurdly, stupidly difficult threes constantly. <laughs> this Golden State Warriors team, Kyle, is a serious problem. Because we know what Steph Curry can do. But Andrew Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins has stepped up to the challenge this year. And I wonder how much that has to do once he saw the support he got from his teammates at the whole vaccination instant instance. I saw Dream on Green yelling, screaming at Andrew Wiggins while on defense. Andrew Wiggins couldn't take that when Jimmy Butler was with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Somebody must have spoken to Andrew Wiggins and said, listen, man, we know what you are capable of. We know why you were the number one pick coming out of college. We know what you could do in the offensive end. We need you on the defensive end. And Andrew Wiggins was tremendous against James Harden defensively that game Tuesday night. Also, Dream- could just be maturing as well, too, because a lot of young young players, like defense isn't shiny. Offense is shiny. Offense gets you on highlights way more than defense. So sometimes they don't focus on that. And like you said, sometimes that takes someone like a veteran, whether it's a head co- like a coach or a player, you know, to tell you, hey, man, you need to step it up on defense. And let's then talk, let's they finally about think roster. about it and then do it. Forget just the starting line. Let's talk about this roster of the Warriors. I think a lot of us underappreciate what they really have going for them. When healthy, Clay's five, six weeks away from returning. So you're going to have Steph. You're going to have Clay. You're going to have Could Andrew Wiggins. You're going to have Draymond Green and James Wiseman. Then off the bench, Gary Payton's son has looked phenomenal. Gary Payton. You have Jordan Poole. You have who's been Jordan Poole and Damon Lee have progressed significantly in the progress as young men in the NBA to go along with the veteran presence like Andre Iguodala with Otto Porter, who isn't what he once was with Washington, but a veteran and could still ball. Kavon Looney, an NBA champion. Yes. Good yeah, luck, NBA. Good luck, NBA. Come, uh, <clears throat> come when Clay Thompson comes back. But you know, think about like all the people that like when all that stuff happened with like Clay and you know he got getting back back and the Warriors were, you know, slipping in the NBA. You know, fans and the rest of the teams were like, "This is now payback time." You know, to give to the Warriors. It wasn't as long uh, lasted, I think, as some people were hoping. Now it's the Warriors' time to dish it back out again. Actually, if Clay can come back and hopefully can be healthy and be Clay Thompson, 
Good luck. Splash Brothers. 100%. Fullest. 100%. I mean, and then a lot of people really question if this was a legit Warriors team sing at 12 2 because prior to them facing the Nets Tuesday night, their biggest challenge was the Lakers early on the year. If, um, from a lot of people's perspective, I mean, they let's go over the teams they've beaten. The Lakers' first game of the year, followed by the Clippers right after that. Then they beat the Sacramento Kings. They defeated the Thunder. They ended up losing to the Grizzlies. That was the first loss of the year. Then they followed up by destroying the Thunder again and at home. They beat the Hornets, the Pelicans, the Rockets, the struggling Hawks, the Timberwolves, destroyed the Bulls. The Hornets came in, defeated them, and then they just absolutely obliterated the Nets 117 to 99. And Draymond Green played such a great defensive game against Kevin Durant, especially in the third quarter. I don't think Kevin Durant had a single make. I could tell you watching the game, I watched Kevin Durant shoot the ball like eight, nine times, all misses. Some of them wide open too. Mm. Yeah, I, I loved when uh, Draymond uh, hit the hit the three and kind of went up and you know rubbed it into Kevin Durant a little bit. You know, it's Dr- that's Draymond Green being Draymond Green right there. It's just kind of like poking at Kevin Durant, trying to get underneath the skin. But you know what, too? I, this was a big, big game as well for Steve Kerr because Kevin Durant revealed the main reason as to what happened to the departure of him Golden State and it had a lot to do with the argument with him and Draymond Green but the coddling for Stephen Curry and the Golden State Warriors and you know what rightfully so because you know what Kevin Durant was the only one upset about like how much they coddle Steph Curry so was Draymond Green and this was also a big game for Steve Kerr. Like, fine, fine. You feel that way? Well, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go to Brooklyn and we're going to kick your ass. And they did. You like to see that, right? No, I don't. <laughs> well, your non-Nets NBA fan would like to see it. Okay. Right, well, I'm a Nets fan. That's yeah. like me. That's like me asking you with the Celtics. You, you, you would say no to. You, just don't, you probably just don't <laughs> want to watch the Celtics at all right now because they suck. Uh, it's, it's just painful. I know. It's just hot hot and cold. That's not, it. not as painful as uh, Laker Nation. Laker <laughs> Nation is struggling, my friend. Laker Nation is the Lakers. What are they at? Eight. What are they? Eight and eight. They're eight and eight so far as we're recording this Thursday. And they got a game against, I believe, your Celtics this Friday. Yes. In Boston, what, have you like paid any attention to like this Lakers team at all, Kyle? I've not paid attention, but I have. I'm in this text chat with uh, some people that I've known on Xbox for a while that live in LA and are Lakers fans. They're always just like, it's just funny when I know there's a game on because not that I'm like I'm watching, but I'm watching the text chat for like them throughout the. I'm almost getting like play by play in a way from them, and it's just them kind of like you know, being like overly happy or overly like mad or like annoyed at something to happen. Tell me, like, tell me, tell me some of the things that they said. I'm curious. I can't tell you. It's well, not well, a, well, I was going to say like PG. I mean, it, I mean, it, it, it's too much where I can't even tell you. They're just annoyed at so much stuff. How annoyed are they with but, Russell Westbrook? Because I've seen a lot of Lakers fans really upset with having Russell Westbrook on the team. Yeah. One, uh, one guy's not the, not a big fan of, of his, like, because it's it's nice to have like a big name, and that's L.A. Lakers to T. Is we need 
and want names. And Russell Westbrook is a name of names. It's just, he's almost just, he's so hard headed sometimes. And, but I know that's Russell Westbrook. He's like, I mean, we, everyone knows that. And it's not like that's something that you should have, you know, or sorry, that's not something that, you know, is not known to the, you know, the public, but it's just like, dude, like sometimes what is going on with you? Like, stop. <laughs> stop being so hard headed, please. But I mean, at this point, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? Right. And I mean, when you look at this Wizards team, a lot of the players that are gone off the Lakers are on the Wizards, the Montrez Harrells, the Contavious Caldwell Popes, and the Kyle Kuzmas. Kyle Kuzma has been balling out this year. He's been having arguably a career year, maybe not the free throw line. He's shooting really bad at the free throw line. <laughs> How bad is it at free throw line? I think I saw 46%. What the? Ew. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But I mean, some of these losses that they've had, especially at home, they got blown out by the Bulls at home. They got blown out by the Timberwolves at home. They lost to the Thunder at home. They gave up. They were up like 20 points to the Thunder twice in OKC and at home, and they blew the leads. They barely beat the Rockets, and the Rockets only have one win, and the Rockets are probably going to win like 14 games this year. And I get it; they don't have LeBron James, but it's still in, it's inexcusable when you when you have Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. It's inexcusable. And where is their weak point? And I'm gonna tell you where their weak point is. Just like told, I told you, what it was gonna be in the beginning of the season. They have no reliable three point shooters. And I think it does bring up the question. When you look at the way that this roster is built, there are way too many ball-dominant guys because oh, LeBron James needs the ball. When LeBron James comes back, the ball has to be in his hands. I think, I, think our, I think our questions have been answered with Russell Westbrook. The ball has to be in LeBron James' hand. And if Russell Westbrook has to be a six-man, which he won't be, but that's like the big question I was asking is, oh, well, should they consider using him as a six-man? The answer is no because you're paying him too much money. But yeah. if that's to be the case and like you had to pick someone, it's going to have to be him. LeBron's ball-dominant. Russell Westbrook, as we clearly know, is ball dominant. Mr. I need to get a triple-double. Rondo is ball dominant. Carmelo Anthony is ball dominant. I mean, we know that he's definitely take a significant, like, less less of a role. But say that Westbrook and LeBron aren't out there, Mel is the one who needs the ball in his hands. Anthony Davis will take the ball as he pleases. My question is, is why, why Russell Westbrook? Why not go get someone who could shoot the ball really good. And one of those players that was talked to begin the year was a Buddy Heald. You mean to tell me that Buddy Heald? And I'm and again, before anybody thinks what I'm saying is that Buddy Heald's better than Russell Westbrook, the answer is 100% hell no. Hell no. But you mean to tell me right now that Buddy Heald wasn't on this Lakers team? Buddy Heald probably wouldn't be close to averaging over 20 points per game. Promise Buddy Heald's not the name Russell Westbrook is. Like I said... That's all showtime. That's that's just like the Lakers just want names. I know like the name of like Carmelo and Rondo are nearly what they once were, but they still have it's still just the name of uh, Ray John Rondo's name, Carmelo Anthony's name. It just that's what they want. It's just I just I, you almost again you want to like you you want to know and like you sit and wonder and try to think what were they thinking when they were constructing this roster? Like, it just doesn't make it. 
just doesn't make sense because like i don't i just i don't get it because if really if you have really three point guards on that team you got westbrook you got rondo and then you got lebron lebron's essentially plays point guard when he has the ball he likes to facilitate the offense and he's just one big monstrous point guard i don't i just i don't understand the construction of the team really Said it. The only thing I just think of is just, oh, that guy has good name value. Get him. That's the only thing I could think of, really. I don't know. Just doesn't make sense to me. Buddy Heald is a career 41% shooter from three, and he averages 16 points per game in his career. And that also comes off of a horrible rookie year. I mean, this guy's only been in the league since 2016. Spent six years with Sacramento and one with um one with the Pelicans, the team he was originally drafted to. And he's shooting, he's, he's averaging 17 points this year on 40% from three. If he's with the Lakers, dude, I'm telling you, he's averaging 20, 100%. And yeah, is LeBron out? And it's like, well, LeBron's out. Yes, but you know who's still on that team that could facilitate the offense? Rondo. I don't know. I mean, we might see. LeBron use his powers like we've seen in the past, like with the Cleveland Cavaliers in his last year when they just departed with everybody. They got rid of Dwayne Wade. They got rid of Isaiah Thomas. They just went on a big spread. They got rid of Jay Crowder. You remember that? Yep. Yeah. That's something that we could see in instance. It's like, it's just when they're like, they have like, a lot whoa. of big guys in their team too, man. They have Anthony Davis. Obviously they're not going to get rid of him. Dwight Howard. DeAndre Jordan. At one point, they had Marcus Saul until it was part of some sort of trade where they sent him out to yeah. Memphis. It's just like it, it's like what would they be able to get? You know, like it's just it's strange. Like, like stuff that would fit in the but it, like it, it's you it's need kinda, like almost like a weird too to see all the shooter. players that are basically gone. Shooters having a pretty solid year at Boston. Kuzma's having a great year with Washington. KCP has been productive in Washington. Montres Harrell productive. In Washington, it's strange. It maybe it's time they look at Frank Vogel. A lot of the responsibility from the Lakers' success the year they won the championship was the assistant coach, who was supposed to be the head coach that they plan on making the head coach after one year. But they won the title, so they had to go with Frank Vogel. And that assistant coach is the head coach for the Dallas Mavericks, Jason Kidd. There was a lot of times. There's a lot of articles out there that talk about how during practices, LeBron and Jason Kidd were the ones designing things up for the Lakers offense. I don't know. I mean, that that could be part of the reason for all we know. Not having Jason Kidd there. It's it's the Lakers are a very interesting team this year. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out because you know if they keep struggling. Like you said, LeBron's going to pull something. He ain't going to just sit there and do nothing. LeBron don't do that. LeBron will make moves. It just depends who's, you know, who's he going to, you know, give give away and who is he going to try to get? Because to be honest, LeBron is essentially the GM. When he's on your team, LeBron's the GM of the team. So what happens when you get LeBron? 100%. Um They've also announced a new arena name. Staples Center will be no more coming soon. It's going to be Crypto.com. 
sounds like bleep. There's just certain arenas or stadiums that, like, you just don't change. Like, when you think of the Staples Center, you think of the Lakers. You don't think anything about the Clippers. And you certainly don't have it named as the Crypto Arena because, you know, let's go to the Crip Arena. That doesn't fly pretty well out there in Los Angeles. Um, there's already been jokes and memes about that all over social media, too. And someone even asked Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook, did you, Russell Westbrook asked straight up. He said, did you say Crip? And then I said, crypto, crypto. <laughs> so back to what I was saying, like, there's just certain, like, Staples Center, sh- that should have been the thing forever. Madison exactly. Square Garden, Yankee Stadium, Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, Lambeau Field. There's there's just, you know, Air Canada Center in Toronto. There's just certain things that are just meant to stay in it's really sad. And when you think of the Staples Center, of course, you think the house that Kobe built. Yeah, it's someone had to write a fat check for that to get changed. I would love to see that check that that whoever wrote, because like you said, that that's something that shouldn't be changed. That doesn't make sense. It's sad. Like it's very saddening. It's it's just it's just stupid. It's just beyond stupid. That's just all it is to me. It makes no sense. You're thinking out of any team that would be. It sounds because that feeling I get from that is money hungry. Why are the Lakers money hungry? It's the damn Lakers. What? I I don't get that. That's just that's stupid to me. That's all it is to me. Yeah, uh, social media didn't agree with the name change neither. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> and I don't. Yeah. All right, let's transition into the NFL. And so far, there's some big news breaking out already about Antonio <laughs> Brown. Allegedly, from one of his cooks. Allegedly. Allegedly. The man bought a fake, a fake vaccine card. Oh, man, is this going to get... <laughs> Man, I wonder what Stephen A is going to have to say about this. I mean, I, I'm surprised. Yeah. That's what we all want to hear. <laughs> Can I talk about Stephen A really quick? Damn it. Yeah, why not? Man, is he just such an ignorant man? He really is because after the loss that the Nets took to the Warriors, to bring Kyrie in because Kyrie's not vaccinated and Kyrie's a uh, horrible teammate. And Kyrie um, should be released, let go. I mean, my God, they give you a show called Stephen A's World. And all of a sudden you think that everything that you say should happen because it's your world all of a sudden. And the way he attacked Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers openly admitted that two out of the three vaccines have an ingredient in there that he is allergic to. And the third one in Johnson and Johnson's could produce blood clots, which is taking chances with your own body to cause harm in something that you don't feel comfortable with, yet you are the biggest scumbag in the planet of the earth because you don't have a vaccine. My dear Lord, and now if this is to be true with Antonio Brown, who, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, do you see, I'm sure you've seen the McLovin meme, right? No. Oh, uh, where's the thing? Because you remember, if you ever seen the movie Super Bad, when he hands his uh, 
his fake ID when he's uh, trying to get alcohol. And it says Antonio Brown given his vaccine card. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's, it's like, yeah, but I think with like Stephen A, it's all about the shock value. It's about saying wildish things that bring eyes and ears to the screen. It's what it's for. So you got to take it with that big grain of salt. But if Antonio Brown did do that, you are stupid. Well, according <laughs> to Brown's former chef, Stephen Reeves, who also says that Antonio Brown owes him an uncollected debt of $10,000. Antonio Brown was willing to pay $500 for a fake Johnson and Johnson's vaccine card. Um, in the NFL released the, uh, the following statement on the Antonio Brown report. said, we are aware of the report and have been in contact with the club, meaning the Tampa Bay Buccaneers club. We will review the matter. What kind, I wonder what kind of um, punishment Antonio Brown could receive because I, I'm, I, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure it's against the law right now to have a fake vaccine card. I don't know what kind of punishments you could face, you know, as a regular citizen like me and you, not a professional athlete. Well, you know, professional athlete for that, you just pay a couple of lawyers, you'll be fine because you got the money. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what the NFL does. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, you're probably not going to suspend him because even though it's. Are you? Are you? I mean, we've well, seen well, Goodell because, go fully against yeah. this power to suspend players yeah. before. Well, I'm just saying, well, just because it's like, it's not like he was. Right. Well, I'm trying to think. Like, because I'm pretty sure, like, he didn't get, like, you know, COVID and then, like, give it to people and then that, like, because that happened and then this came up, then I could understand it. But if, you know, if he hasn't tested, like, positive at all or, you know, hasn't spread it to anyone and, you know, and then this happens, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just strange. But Very. it's Antonio uh, Brown. It's just another layer to his uh, shenanigans, let's say. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, big time. I mean, just when you think that, like, he he, he – didn't cause some sort of drama. It's back again. Antonio Brown gonna Antonio Brown. I guess so. But uh you ready to make your week eleven picks? Sure. Let's do it right now. I mean we got uh we got our Patriots game starting up soon since we started the process of this recording. So I mean we both had the Patriots tonight as we uh said on Monday. First game that pops up. The Buffalo Bills hosting the Indianapolis Colts with the Colts getting seven points. Kyle, who are you taking here? Hmm. I'll go. I'll go Colts on this one. I think with the run game that the Colts have, if you do that, and sometimes you can force Josh Allen into into throwing something dumb, which. Obviously, he's gotten a lot better at throughout his career because we know early on that was a very, very big weak point. I just think which right now, just with what they have with Jonathan Taylor being the Colts and everything, I just feel like this is a – I want to say like an – I guess you can call it an upset, but it's not like a wild upset. I just – I just I don't know. I just feel right now the Colts – the Colts will pull it out. It would be a close, a close victory for them. You could probably even see it being like a last-second – Field goal, some one of those kind of deals. So I'll go a 27 uh, 24 victory for the Colts. No, I'm going to go with the Bills completely because um, 
they got off to a really convincing lead last week against the Jaguars, and the Jaguars started to apply pressure on Carson Wentz, and they didn't have much offense after that. They were just facing the Jaguars. The Bills have a tremendous defense, and if that's how they're going to win the game, that's how they're going to win the game. I think they'll be able to slow down Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor's going to run wild like he's been doing the last couple weeks, and um, I'll I'll take the Buffalo Bills in this one. Uh, I'll take the Colts covering, though, because I don't think the Colts are horrible. I'll take the Bills 27-21. So Colts covering those seven points. The Baltimore Ravens going on the road to take on the Chicago Bears. The Ravens are four and a half point favorites. I feel like this is a relatively easy one for me. Ravens. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, Lamar is just, Lamar is too much, you know, for, and I feel like for that Bears team. If, I feel like this could be a good game for the development of Justin Fields. And what I mean by that is, you see a quarterback like Lamar, who he has a very uh, similar uh, skill set to, or just feels a similar skill set to Lamar. Well, he has the ability to scramble yeah. just like Lamar. Yeah, and he they throw yeah. his legs like Lamar. Yeah, but he's yeah, definitely can, not Lamar. Well, he's yeah, not speed wise. I mean, no one is, but he has a pretty good, like probably one of the better combos of that that you know that you can see the NFL. But Lamar's just going to be too. Lamar's just going to be too much again. I think ultimately, like, you know, that will put pressure on fields and in uh in young and early in his career, I think he'll fold underneath that pressure. I'll go thirty-one to twenty victory for Baltimore. Yeah, we saw the Ravens struggle against the Dolphins. Uh a game I don't think anybody in uh the NFL world anticipated the Dolphins winning in any sort of the imagination. You gotta give credit. You gotta give credit to the Dolphins and especially Tua Tua coming in late to the game with that finger injury after Brissett left after getting hurt. Brissett looks so uncomfortable from the start. Like his mechanics were all sorts of whack. I mean, we talked, we were talking about like, well, not us, but like people are talking about Pat, uh, Patrick Mahomes having the worst mechanics in football and getting away with it for so long. Well, Jacoby Brissett's mechanics were deplorable. Yeah, that's, uh, that ain't good. <laughs> But I'm going to go with the Ravens this one for everything that you just mentioned. And we saw the release of Le'Veon Bell, probably the end of the road for Le'Veon Bell at this point. Um, just think about it. When he was with the Steelers, that man was known as one of the best, if not the best backs in the league. And he was able to do a ton, you know, go uh, out wide at wide receiver, run routes and all that stuff. Then I believe it was the Jets he went to. He got a pretty decent contract. And then it just went downhill like completely downhill it wasn't like it wasn't like a slow decline it was just like from one of the best if not the best to like not trying to be distracted like running his style of running was good with the Steelers with how great their offensive line is because extremely he was he was very patient and he was able to work that way when he went to the Jets, the Jets had one of the worst offensive lines in football. There's nothing you could do. And then when he went to the Chiefs, the Chiefs didn't yeah. utilize him. They went with Edwards Hilaire. And now at the Ravens, I felt like they brought him in too late to the season. I don't know. I mean, it might be the end of the line. I mean, we've seen that right now. It looks like it's the end of the line with Todd Gurley. He might be right there with Todd Gurley. Yeah. Ah, it's, it's a shame to see a guy that's such a decline out of nowhere. You know, it's and it's strange. But I yeah, think it really is that him and Melvin Gordon set the example for these running backs that if you want to hold out, go ahead, hold out. We'll find your replacement. 
Yeah, just how it is. Granted, Melvin Gordon got another chance, but it's because Melvin Gordon didn't start an entire year like Le'Veon Bell did. Yeah, ah, it's and you know it's a shame for running backs because you know it's just it's just like what can they really do? You try to cash in, the team just doesn't want to. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Can't really do anything. Yeah, but um, Ravens final score twenty eight seventeen. Following game, we have the Cleveland Browns hosting the Detroit Lions, and I don't know if you saw, but Baker Mayfield's dealing with like three or four different injuries going into this game. I'm not surprised the way he looked against, especially the Patriots. Good lord, that was not good. It's no, not it's good safe to say in my eyes that the Cleveland Browns aren't making the playoffs this year. Yep, and uh, Baker Mayfield should just sit out the rest of the year. Just stop playing with all those injuries. If anything, you're going to make it worse, and that's the last thing you want to need. If you're Cleveland and Baker, yeah, just try to get as healthy as you possibly can, and him himself rehab, get surgery if necessary. Just focus on next season. Just do that. Yep. Uh, Browns are still eleven and a half point favorites against the Lions. Yeah, Lions suck. <laughs> Lions are this is the most lion thing ever. They they, they have the chance to go 0 16 and 1. <laughs> it's just the most lions thing ever. Yes, they should have really. I mean, I guess they could have won that game too. But really, if that Steelers tight end was a rookie, I'm not sure the name, if he just goes out of bounds, there's a good chance they could lose that game. It's just like that's one of those games where nobody wanted to win it. It's like, hey, Lions, you could potentially I, I, you win know the game. What? You, know you lose the Steelers, it. Steelers. Though, it's you, just you like, the Steelers, <sighs> it was just horrible timing because the thing with Big Ben happened the day before the game. The day before the game. True, true. No, you, it you, just, you can't help that with COVID, a, man. That was, an, that was just – it was funny, but – But ugly. it definitely shows, like, how bad the Steelers would be without Big Ben. Like, Big Ben's already – like, he's done. His career's over with. But, man, is he a big upgrade from Mason Rudolph? I mean, a lot of people are. But, yeah, it's – oof, boy. That's just – it's just – it's all bad news. So, what's your final <laughs> prediction for this Browns-Lions game? Uh, I feel like it's probably an ugly game. I'll go – I'll go the Browns. God, like a 24-13 victory for the Browns. I think it's just going to be – it's just going to be ugly. It just – and if the Browns weren't going to win that game, how are you going to win this game? I just, I just don't see how they're going to win a game, really. Lions, yeah, Lions, L. I mean, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Lions just L. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm done riding Detroit Lions train. I've done it a couple times this year, and they're games that they should have won. But the one thing I'll give credit with this Lions team is the head coach of Dan Campbell, because between him and Robert Salai, you definitely see more fire and passion out of Dan Campbell every single week than you do Robert Salah with the Jets. Hence why I think that even if they do go 0-16 and 1, um, Dan Campbell should keep his job because he's definitely a fire coach. I wonder what the Lions are going to do at quarterback because they're going to have one of the top picks. Are they going to draft a quarterback with the number one pick or are they going to go with the best player in the draft? I mean, because right now there's not one like name that's like a clear number one pick for quarterbacks Yep. out of college football. So, I mean, there's a bunch of questions, but I'm going to go Browns. I'm going to go 28, 13. Yeah, that's poor lines. Mm. The Tennessee Titans hosting the Houston Texans. Titans are 10 and a half point favorites. 
I mean, I feel like this again, we both know. I feel like we both know who we're going to pick easy Titans over the Texans. The, yeah. Titans over Texans. Sorry. I thought I misspoke for a second. The Texans are just not a good team. They're just not Titans. They're a good team. Just that is what it is. I mean, right now, aren't they the number one seed in the AFC right now at the moment? You know, so I mean, they're a good team, obviously. I mean, big win, big win for the Titans. There you go. (laughs) You're going to go with the Texans, aren't you? Dude, because you know what? We've seen the last two weeks now. There's been crazy upsets. And if I feel like if there's going to be some crazy upset out of this week, this would be the one. But I'm not 100%. I'm not even 60% sold on it. So what I'll do is I'll take the Texans within those 10.5 points. And I'm going to go low scoring. I'm going to go Titans 21 18. Happy, interesting. You know, that that's just the way that I'm feeling. I mean, with all the, the madness that's been going around, Kyle. True. I'm going to go 21-18 Titans, but I mean, if people are like sitting there and thinking, man, what's some game that I think that could that just could possibly happen? This was probably the game. Sure. No Julio Jones, Derrick Henry. It, it could be. And plus, Tyrod Taylor's back, which is better than David Mills or whatever the hell his name is. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, 21-18 Titans, but. That could be the upset. Green Bay going to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Green Bay, one and a half point favorites. I think one and a half points too little. I know that um, Aaron Jones is out, but I'll go with Green Bay. And I'll go Green Bay 30-21. Yeah, I think this will be a close a close game. I just think, think even though... Game. Yeah, even though Aaron Jones is... Uh, you know, that is a big loss. A.J. Dillon... You know, Balling. seems like he's yeah, like he's stepping up pretty pretty big, and not that he's going to fill the shoes of Aaron Jones completely, but I think he's going to do a a pretty uh, a pretty good job of that. I'm gonna, I, I'll go with the Packers in a in a in a close game. I'll go uh, tw- uh, twenty eight to twenty one victory for the Packers. Battle the AFC East. The Miami Dolphins go to New York to take on the Jets, in which the quarterback starting for this game. Do you know who's starting for the Jets? Flacco, isn't it? It's Joe Flacco. They're starting Joe Flacco and giving up on the Mike White Express. They're going with I Joe mean, Flacco. You got an elite quarterback now, so with Joe Flacco. Oh God. <laughs> um. That yeah, I'm gonna comment. I'm gonna go with the Dolphins convincingly. I think that. I think it's a mistake starting Joe Flacco, and I think it's with, with the start of Joe Flacco, it's just a big morale. Like it's just not it's not giving them any sort of confidence going into this week because we saw what Mike exactly. White was able to do, and if it's not going to be Mike White, then it should be Zach Wilson. If it's not going to be Zach Wilson, then it should be Mike White. It shouldn't be Joe Flacco. And I get that you're getting the veteran experience, and this is giving players like. Michael Carter, the rookie running back in the rookie receiver, more a little bit of confidence. Like to learn on like as an on field lesson with Joe Flacco during the game. But Joe Flacco's way past his prime, dude. Joe Flacco honestly should consider retirement. I don't even know why he's still on the NFL team. I don't even know why the Eagles signed him. And I don't know why the hell the Jets gave up a six round pick for him. Because the Jets 
Well, forever Jets. I'm going to go with the Dolphins. Idiots. I'm going Dolphins 24 to 9. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is going to be an ugly game. But, yeah, I'll go with you in the terms of the Dolphins winning. I feel like just kind of be – it could be some, like, odd, like, score, like some, like – I'll go for, like, some weird score of, like, 23 to 11. Just something strange. I just feel like it's just going to be an ugly game because the Dolphins are not that good and the Jets – the Jets are just weird. I don't know. Joe Douglas like said, is going to be fired at the end of the year, 100%. Yeah. Jets, like I said, Jets will forever Jets. And honestly, I, I can't wait till Monday, Kyle, because on Monday on uh, DiPietro and Rothenberg, we're going to hear back from Rex Ryan. He goes on there every Monday. I'm curious to hear what Rex Ryan's going to have to say and his comments. Yeah, with, yeah I'm going to I'm going to have to hear that from you. So I'm going to be intrigued to see what uh see what's said. I'll have to listen to Rex Ryan's comments and I'll have to listen to Robert Salas comments later on the Michael K show. Nice. Yeah. Um, Rex Ryan always going to give you good sound bites. Damn right. The Saints going to Philly to take on the Eagles. The Eagles are favorites in this game. They're two point favorites. Yeah, Jalen Hurts has looked pretty solid all season long. Like Philly's calling for a new quarterback, but I mean, Jalen Hurts by no stretch of the imagination is a scrub. He might be like the modern, like Teddy Bridgewater when Teddy Bridgewater first came into the league. Yeah, because he's like he's not doing all that bad. Like total offense. Okay, I'm trying to try to do some quick math. Uh, it's he's giving about almost the 2,700 yards between passing and rushing, and he's giving you uh, 18 touchdowns total, five interceptions, yeah. 13 passing, five mm-hmm. rushing. Mm-hmm. So it's not. Is it elite? No. no. But, but it's his it's not bad. Year? Like, yeah. It's like, it's not bad at all. So like, you know, give the man a chance to develop and you might, you know, you might have a, you know, pretty good quarterback. Just like, I can I tell you, know. I've seen a lot of Eagles fans really talk about like how much they miss Doug Peterson. They regret like letting him go. Eh, I don't know. But Doug I Peterson mean, fired himself when he did what he did last year for the last oh, yeah. regular season game of the year. I it, mean, that was, that was, that was horrible. That was stupid. But you also knew, too, what this the new head coach, I forgot ex- what his exact name is on top of my head. But if you saw his press conference, what well, was the first one? It was like his opening press conference where the man just looked like a puppy dog, you know, just scared out of his mind. It's just like, dude, in Philly? Really? But they've been doing pretty good. Eh, Four and six, uh, a lot better than we anticipated. True. I'll give him credit for that. I just want to see if it's going to be able to last. That's going to be the interesting uh, scenario that plays out. This this is a weird breaking news report. It's just a report. The 76ers and Pistons have discussed a trade that would send Ben Simmons to Detroit and Jeremy Grant, a young player, filler, and a pick to Philadelphia. Interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Holy crap. Um but going back to this Eagle Saints game, um, the Saints defense is very elite. This is a tough pick. Yeah, this, this is, is a, a tough this pick. is probably one of the tougher games to pick out of this whole week. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna go with the Saints just because of the Alvin Kamara effect on offense and on defense with Marshawn Lattimore probably shutting down Devontae Smith. I'll go with the Saints. I'll go 27-23. Yeah, I'll go with the Saints in a close victory. I think maybe a little bit lower. Lower scoring. I'll go uh 
I'll go 24-20, but I think if they – it's just that Kamara, I feel like, would just be a difference. Kamara is going to be the – you know, probably the best player out there on, you know, both sides of the ball for both teams too. He's such an X factor. You can line up wherever you want him to. Backfield, hand the ball off. Backfield, run routes. Put him out a wide receiver. The man can route up most people in the NFL. He's yeah. going to be the X factor. Washington going on to Carolina. Ron Rivera versus Cam Newton, the Carolina Panthers. And all signs are linked towards Cam being the week, the starter for the week. I almost said week one starter. <laughs> <laughs> Carolina fair by three and a half. And I'll take Carolina with every single point. They're healthy. Christian McCaffrey is going to be in the field. I'll go Carolina 30 to 17. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Carolina as well. I think the cam is going to give them that spark. I'm going to, it's going to be interesting to see how long that can play out for and how can they carry that deep into the season? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go, I'll go with the Panthers. I'll go with the Panthers as well. I'll go uh 33, 20, the 49ers going to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars, the 49ers defeating their and Kyle. I'm going to be honest. I was thinking so hard about taking the 49ers when we were doing the live show on Monday. I was really thinking about it because I'm just thinking with the NFC West, it's just weird because like when the Rams were bad, when they went to Seattle, it felt like you always had to pick the Rams because they would just win in Seattle. I I remember. I remember that. That was it was the weirdest. It was like their kryptonite for some reason. It's like it's like it's only with like those three teams, like before the Cardinals got good. Because the Cardinals, it was like it's an automatic loss every single time. But, like, that was a game where I just had a weird vibe because Robert Woods tore his ACL that Friday. OBJ wasn't going to see that much of a workload. Von Miller's getting his first reps in. Meanwhile, the only concern with the 49ers was their running game. And Wilson and Eli Mitchell did their thing. And Debo Samuel, too, he was, he was running out of the backfield. Go figure, because I was facing Debo Samuel and I ended up losing. <laughs> Mm, Trash. And the 49ers are six and a half point favorites. I'm going to take the 49ers in this one, and I'm going to go 27 to 17. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Niners as Niners as well. You keep riding that momentum because that win against the Rams, that's something that, you know, could probably team give your team some big time confidence too. I'll definitely I'll, I'll go with them. I'll go with them winning by 14. The first of the four o'clock games. We have the struggling Bengals against the struggling Raiders. Raiders are one point underdogs at home. Yeah, how how both these teams have fallen for different reasons, right? The well, Bengals yeah, were su- such such a hot team, and then it just they're just struggling. Maybe come back down more to earth, maybe. And then obviously the Raiders things like, you know, we, you know, discussed we know what's stuff, going the stuff with Gruden, yeah. they're two separate, you know, Gruden uh, and the yeah, corner and, Henry and then Damian Arnett. And it's, you know, the Raiders, but mm, I think this one is a Bengals pick for me. Me too. I feel like, I feel like this is Bengals. Cause like that stuff is more of just the Raiders stuff is more off the field that you can't just figure out. Like, uh, okay, we can scheme up something, figure out what we're doing wrong on the field. That's all off the field stuff, yeah. and that stuff really ment- messes with you mentally. And that's why I'll go. I'll go with the Bengals on this one. I'll go them winning by uh, by eight, twenty eight, twenty. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Bengals too. I'm gonna go Bengals twenty seven, twenty one. Um, everything that you mentioned there. I mean, Jamar Chase is gonna figure things out. Joe Mixon is still doing his thing. God bless Derek Carr, man. 
they they just don't they don't deserve Derek Carr. They don't. They don't. I don't think we deserve Derek Carr. I don't think we as a population deserve Derek Carr. I mean, this yeah. man is Mr. Forgiveness. Yeah, you ain't wrong. That's for sure. This is probably going to be the uh, game of the week here. The Dallas Cowboys going to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. And the only reason this isn't a Sunday night game, I think, is because the Cowboys are obviously playing on Thanksgiving. Yeah, true. You Kansas give them City, much two and a half point favorites. Oh, good punt. Sorry. I was looking at the Patriot game on. No, I thought you weren't keeping PG. No, no, I just saw no, I saw the you're punt. It was too. a good thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good punt. All right, I'm not watching it. I just saw it on the ESPN thing. But that Cowboys uh how like you said, it, the only reason that's not uh well sorry, two reasons is that it's not the Sunday night game is because you got to give the Cowboys as much rest as possible Obviously. for the things. And also this is too big of a game to put at one o'clock. This game cannot be a one o'clock game. It has to be a four o'clock if it's not Sunday night, but. Hmm. This game, this game, this game. I'll pick first. I'm yeah, going with the go Cowboys. With uh, the Cowboys defense has been pretty stellar. They came back and gave the Falcons. <laughs> Butt whooping to their lifetime. The um, business. Whew, with Michael Gallup, with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Zeke against a struggling Chiefs defense. And the Chiefs victory doesn't impress me too much because it's a struggling Raiders team. It is a absolute mess with the Raiders. You had to take advantage. And the Chiefs took advantage like they're supposed to if they're going to be one of the better teams in the league sitting at six and four. Um but it doesn't mean that I don't think it'll be a close game. I'm going Cowboys final score, 35-32. I'm going high scoring. I think this is going to be a big game between the battle between Mahomes and Prescott. I think Prescott prevails. Yeah, and then the the Chiefs, you know, run defense going up against Zeke and Pollard. You know, that, that'll probably give the Cowboys. Ingram, give Ingram the Cowboys had a really edge. good game, too, against the Raiders, but the Dallas Cowboys offensive line went healthy. Yeah. Beasley. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with the Cowboys as well in the high high score, and I'll go. I'll go 33-30 victory for the Cowboys. Like that. If you like offense, this is game for you. Because you're going to see it now. Watch it be defense. If it if it is, I'll be honest. I'll be annoyed. <laughs> I'm not trying to see a it's just the way this year's game gone, with the man. Cowboys and the Chiefs. Woo! No, just no. The the uh, the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Arizona Cardinals in. All signs point towards Kyler Murray returning this Sunday. The Seahawks come off the <laughs> first zero-point performance in the Russell Wilson era. I think we might see the end of an era in Seattle with Russell Wilson. Well, you think he might be out at the end of the season? Yeah. Is he a free agent or you mean no. by like trade? Trade. Mm. Well, let's be honest here. The most value they have to build for their future is obviously Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf's another piece, but can you get a first round pick for DK Metcalf? Mm, maybe. You pr- on, honestly, I think you. I think you probably could. You could, but it's also big maybe because OBJ was still in his prime with the Giants, and they only got a second round pick out of it. And DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in football, and they only got a second round pick. And I think well, the Falcons I, only got a, like a second or third round pick for Julio. I think that. 
the league is just progressing so much that you're you're expandable if you're a wide receiver or running back. Your quarterbacks are a dime a dozen. Uh, I just think because with the Odell thing, he had injury history. And the Hopkins thing, um, God, what was the coach at the time? God, what was his name? Bill O'Brien. Yeah, Bill O'Brien's just an idiot. With that stuff, like that man don't that man should never be uh, should sniff a GM position ever because he don't know what he's doing. He was but, a good head coach, but yeah, when it came to the GM thing, no. I ain't a good head coach. That might even be stretching it. But anyway, they had a lot of winning uh, seasons. Yeah, meh. But well, who do you think's winning this game? Oh, the Cardinals. As long as Kyler Murray's healthy, the Cardinals. If Kyler Murray's not healthy, then the Seahawks. But I'm playing it as healthy because that's what the reports are pushing towards. With or without DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are win this game. 30, Close game three. 30-23. Yeah, you know, I'll go uh I'll go with the with the Cardinals, Cardinals to win this game. Because if Kyler, like you said, Kyler's healthy, that offense is ah, damn, that offense is just good and explosive and fun to watch. I'll go. I'll go. Cardinals when winning thirty-one to twenty. Sunday night game is going to be something I'm not feasting my eyes on. It'll be the Pittsburgh Steelers going to LA to take on the struggling Chargers. Chargers sitting at five and four, and at one point looked like they were early favorites to win the AFC West, and Herbert was looking like an MVP candidate to start the year. Yeah, did they ran into the buzzsaw known as the Patriots? Oh, Jesus Lord. <laughs> Sorry, it's that, that's just funny. Yeah. Well, who do you th- who do you got in this game? Well, Big Ben's out. So I'll take the Chargers. <laughs> I'll take the Chargers 27-10. Yeah, it's if if you're the Chargers, I know like obviously because Big Ben obviously isn't what Big Ben once was, but he's still yeah. a game manager. Yeah. He can provide that something that just Mason Rudolph, veteran presence, leadership, game, you know, yeah. Yep, exactly. And then I think if the Chargers, this is one of those answers, you got to really show, like, show up and put on, like, even, I know uh, if any way you can get the win is good, but I think this is one of those ones where you really need to show, you know, the team that you were when you were doing re- very, very good at the beginning of the year before you start struggle. Mm-hmm. And I'll think, and I think they can put together one of those kind of uh, performances. I'll go a uh, 31-11 uh, victory for the Chargers. Monday Night Football, Tampa hosting the Giants. Tampa's on a two-game losing streak, and the Giants are the Giants. But the one thing going for the Giants is this is probably the most healthy team they've had all season. Um, they took Kenny Galladay off the injury report. Saquon Barkley is questionable, but a lot of signs are pointing at him returning, as well as Sterling Shepard. We're on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers end. Vitavia is questionable. Chris Godwin, questionable. Antonio Brown, questionable. Richard Sherman was placed on the IR officially. And plus, the Giants, forever known as Tom Brady's kryptonite. Somehow, it's weird. It's just, it's always his... He never plays a great game against them, it feels like. He always struggles to some extent. Right, but you know what? I'm I'm taking the Buccaneers. I might not take them with all 11 points, but I think Brady's going to have a much better game than than he's had the last um, two. Um, Tom Brady losing three in a row, is, I, I couldn't tell you when's the last time that ever happened or if it's ever happened. 
Oh, it definitely has happened. When? But it's been a while. It's probably early in his career. You think so? Like, oh, yeah. Well, we'll think about it because they – oh, not that for sure. I know. But, like, they, they didn't make the playoffs in 02 at least. So if it's been – if it's happened, it's been a while. But if you're – you know this ain't going to sit well with Brady the last two games. That man is going to be, you know, all over everyone in that box going 120%. And his mission is to destroy the Giants. And I definitely think he'll he'll do that. I think this is going to be one of those games where that team could really, really show up and, you know, really ball out. I'll go 35-18 bucks. I guess it was in 2002, I think. That what? I think his last, like, I'm trying to find an article to see when's the last time he lost two in a row. When was Patriots last game losing streak? I don't know. They had a four game, four game losing streak. I guess four game losing streak, 2002. So, but 2002 is a long time. That's a different time, Brady, than Tom Brady now. So I'll go with the Buccaneers. I'm going to go high scoring on the Bucs end, uh, 33 24. Fair. All right. So now that we're through with our picks, you have your sheet still with your uh, top five NFL teams. Yeah, I want to hear yours. I want to see how different we're thinking of this. Okay. Number five, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. The Bills had a big bounce back win, and they needed it ever much so against the Jets, putting up 40 points against them after only putting up six against the Jaguars the prior week. A huge bounce back victory, hence why I have them in at number five, because the NFC is just so absolutely strong. Number four, I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, they took a big loss to the Carolina Panthers. The return of Cam Newton, um, I think, played a huge part in the reason why the Panthers won this game. Had there been no Cam Newton, it was P.J. Walker. I think it would have been a really ugly game to watch, and the Arnolds could have uh, the Arnolds, <laughs> the Cardinals could have <laughs> prevailed with the victory. So, puts them there at number four for me. The Arizona Cardinals. Number three, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys again. A big bounce back victory, putting up forty <laughs> points against the Atlanta Falcons, and they've looked like the more sound team this year where the Bills, we've had some questions about the Bills throughout the year. Um, But this Cowboys team since week one has looked absolutely amazing. Their two losses, one very close with the the Buccaneers, and one they took for granted at home against the Broncos. They said my number three. Number two, I have the Tennessee Titans. They had a narrow win against the Saints of 23-21, but the team is continuing to roll with the absence of Derrick Henry and also with the absence of Julio Jones. The defense has looked a lot better since the start of the year and looks more well-rounded. And they got a game, which I think, obviously, and I said earlier on, that they're going to take up with the victory against the Texans. And number one, the Green Bay Packers. If we're going to be completely honest, the Green Bay Packers are almost undefeated. The Saints game is their only loss. They didn't have Aaron Rodgers against the Kansas City Chiefs. They are eight and one with Aaron Rodgers on the year. Eight and one. And it's time I think they earned some people's damn respects as probably the best team right now in football. After yeah. that, after that Rams loss Monday night against the 49ers, I don't think there's any question doubt who the best team in the NFC is. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I thought we might think pr- differently on that, but I have mine the, the exact same as yours. Because and and just like you said, just think about it with the Packers, 
if they didn't. Don't give away the game. I'm I'm so far behind, but I just saw Stevenson go for a big run, and that's huge in my parlay tonight. Fair. Uh, yeah. Okay, I won't ruin it. But what I what I think I want I want to think or I want to hear from you is with the with the Patriots, where would you put them right now? Six or seven. I have them just outside because it's impressive what they are doing. hundred percent. I mean, and we talked about it on Monday, how like they put up 50 points against the jets, 40 against the Browns, 24 against the Panthers. They've looked absolutely amazing. But you know what the issue is, Kyle is we had questions about this Patriots team at one point throughout the season, and they were nowhere close near a top five team throughout the year. The bills and they're a young team too. That's the they they're have a to young figure team. Out. Right. But I mean, the Bills have been a great team for the majority of the year. They had a horrible loss against the Jaguars and the Cowboys defeated the Patriots. The Packers are better. The Cardinals are better and the Titans are better as of right this now. Is, yeah. And this is going to be a very interesting stretch for them because I'm tr- attempting to load up the schedule. Here you go. Okay. So obviously they're playing the Falcons now. Then you think of the games that they got upcoming. The next four games after this. Mm-hmm. Titans, mm-hmm. Bills, mm-hmm. Colts, yep. Bills again. Yeah, that's going to be very, very telling of how how, how good, good this how team good. Is. Yeah, like like what are you going to be able to do? Like, yeah. are you going to go? You know, are you are you going to absolutely ball out? Go four and zero? Are you going to struggle? Go below five hundred? You know, it's it's going to be a very interesting and telling uh, stretch of games for this team, but. Yeah, I like I I would said I was thinking about honestly my fandom wanted to put them at five, but I just I couldn't I couldn't either. I I I couldn't I couldn't justify that. Like I would have put them exactly about the six six seven range right there. Eight at the maybe like the absolute lowest, but that eight to six range for them, I would put them. I don't know. Maybe I put them maybe I would put them eight. We got the Rams and the Buccaneers too. And I know they've both been struggling. The Patriots have been on the roll, but Rams <laughs> on paper are the better team and the Buccaneers have the victory over the Patriots. So maybe yeah. I put him eight, nine. Fair. They're a hundred percent top ten. They're one hundred percent top ten. They they have to be. Yes. Because you could see that this team is figuring it out, you know, and they're figuring out how to win. And that's what young teams struggle to do yeah. is when they have leads, or if, if if they have the ability to get the lead, is to then keep the lead and close out games. I feel like that's what you saw early on in the year. Like even during the games, they would show potential, but they mess it up somehow. Now they're not really doing that. They're sh- like they're stomping teams that are you know solid teams at least, like a team like the like the Browns. There's no reason at the beginning of the year that anyone would have thought that the Patriots would have done that to Cleveland. They just wouldn't have. No, and even going into the game, we didn't think they were going to do that. What they did to Cleveland, exactly. So, what's your top five? I literally would was it's the exact same as you. No I, I, way. Yeah, I I thought I thought that it was going to be di- to honestly be be different. I thought you might have you know the the bleh, sorry the Rams or the Bucks you know in like a like the four or five range. No, but the only thing uh, like the one of the reasons why I wanted to like pick pick the Rams, I thought maybe it should like put them like that four to five range is maybe just thought it was like, okay, it's a, kind of like a one-off, like a one-off thing. You know, it's the, the Rob Woods getting hurt, you know, during the week. Mm-hmm. Odell, you're trying to, you know, work into. Von Miller, you know, it's trying to work into them. 
yeah, it's just, mm. it, it's just, you think about it, like a lot of these teams, like, especially like the thing of the Titans. Okay. Right now, the one seed, yep. you would not think they were the one seed at the beginning of the year, how they're now constructed. You don't with, think, mm, <clears throat> no, well, saying now. how they're constructed now. I'm saying, cause we, because of like the injuries, like people thought like Julio Jones is really going to ball out really hasn't done a ton. Derrick Henry obviously was balling out at the, before he got hurt. We thought this team was going to maybe struggle once Derrick Henry um, uh, got hurt, you know, and whoever is going to step up and be his replacement really hasn't done that. So, wow, it's, it's an interest. It's an interesting team. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see once they play the Patriots, how that's, how that's going to play out because, the lack of the name of Julio and Henry now, how's it going to change stuff? But you got to give Titans credit. They're figuring it out without the star names of a Julio and a Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I'm just going through my fantasy here because I got to – doesn't look like DeAndre Hopkins is playing this Sunday, but it's, like I said, as long as there's a, a Kyler Murray, I'm taking them. I don't blame you on that front. Exact same. Go figure. Go figure. <laughs> Great minds think alike. I guess so. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I guess that'll conclude this episode here. Um, please make sure to share this video all over your social media. Put in your Snapchat, put in your Twitter, put in your Facebook, put in your Instagram. We greatly appreciate all the support from everybody who listens to our shows deeply. Absolutely. Most definitely do. And again, you can catch me and Kyle again live on Monday at 7.15 on Facebook Live at the Sports Cave. And Kyle, looks like we got our audio issues resolved. That's good. Very, That's good. very handy. That's what we like to hear, quite literally. All right. And if we don't see any comments from any of you listeners here today on Monday in our Facebook Live, a huge happy Thanksgiving to you and your families and eat a ton of turkey and take those well-deserved naps. Oh, of course, you got it. The, the holidays are here, but Christmas has already started. It, Christmas started November first. <laughs> of course, once once Halloween was over, it's straight to Christmas. Everyone was like, "Nah, Thanksgiving. We'll just think about the food." Exactly, exactly. But any final thoughts, Kyle? Or are we got to tune off here. Go Patriots! Don't lose. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we're tuning. We're, we're signing off, ladies and gentlemen. Again, you you just listened to an episode of the Sports Cake, along with my co-host Cogwell and Robbie Clark, presented by Retro Sports Network. Have a great rest of your day slash afternoon slash night.